Hi hello and welcome to Saturday Architecture. Please do subscribe and share your feedback on all the episodes that you hear. Your feedback is very important to us. Have fun listening to this podcast. This is Kumaran your host. Hi all welcome to another episode of Saturday Architecture uh one of the challenges as uh, architects and technologists we always face is a build versus buy a key challenge which most of the teams face is something called an NIH syndrome or a not invented here so uh, there's a tendency to build everything and everyone comes up with lot of different reasons on why they cannot use some other framework uh and it's kind of uh, jokingly i would say you know if you want to protect an ip make it open source nobody will use it after that <laughs> so so it's kind of um, um people come up with reasons why things cannot be uh, reused and in today's world when lot of agility and speed is needed i think it's it's cumbersome to redevelop stuff so basically i wanted to pick this topic to kind of understand right what stops us from using existing frameworks and what is the work work around for that right and obviously when you use existing stuff it's going to save a bunch of effort but there are some serious blockers to that could be mindset could be process so deepak in your opinion right what are the points that you have come across people adopting standard frameworks products whatever so i think i i think i i look at it from the view of the consumer of the application or from the business perspective that business doesn't really care where you get it from right mm. they they are on, only only after it should work it should work reliably and and that is what drives their decision to actually look at uh, any solution so so they see this is this is a mindset which architects need to think about that the customer really doesn't care whether you are using uh, a pre canned solution which is just uh, maybe just an interface slapped on top of it and finally it actually works right so so that that is the approach which i think is missing that what you call as not invented hair syndrome uh that is more driven by people who create the software rather than by the business business, business doesn't really care they they don't care whether you are using standard things or non standard things finally if the, if you are able in fact if you see the trend today uh there are things like uh uh where you can use a standard uh, website to do things like ifttt right which is an automation solution right now traditionally to build a workflow you will go about doing this build a workflow uh framework and then you start adding these these components to it and how the workflow will work nowadays nobody really cares about where the workflow is going to happen as long as i can do it quickly and in fact 
most of the workflow is now being done by non-software people, right? Uh, you look at all these uh, software as service options available now to do workflow. Mm. Like right? Microsoft so, Flow is an is an example. Flow, yeah, uh, is a good example. There is, I think, uh, IFTTT, right? Uh, Automation Anywhere, right? Okay. All, all these are actually excellent solution to do any workflow, right? And, and that's, I think, the mindset has to change from the architect side rather than from customer really doesn't care where you get it from. What are the concerns that you have seen? I think one of the uh, quickest uh, curveballs which I have got is uh, um, when I use a third-party framework. Okay, first one, first one is uh, what will happen to the maintenance or enhancements if I have to do. Uh, I don't know what that product or code is. I can't customize it. And second one is an even trickier curveball. It says uh, compliance and ownership is a problem. Have you come across these two things and how do you see think, handling these issues? I think increasingly most uh, uh, vendors now provide, of, of course, software as a service that they are also concerned by all these things which is being thrown up by compliance requirements like GDPR and uh, how, how data is handled outside, how uh, personally identifiable information is handled within the systems. So I, I believe the, the, the SaaS providers are actually much more agile and because that is their bread and butter, if they don't deliver that GDPR and all the compliance requirements, they are at a more higher risk than an individual corporation is because for the individual corporation, it is just one one company. For for uh, for the SaaS provider, they have to have hundreds and thousands of customers they have to take care of. And everybody starts asking for GDPR, they have to deliver, right? So they they are actually, I believe, uh, more uh, aware of this, and I believe they can drive it much faster than individual corporations trying to do their own compliance thing. So that's, mm. that's my opinion that in, if you start, and that is much, much harder for uh, a small to medium enterprise to actually do. And that is actually a very compelling uh, position for a SaaS provider uh, to make uh, their life easier. Actually, that's interesting. So when you say uh, small to medium enterprise, it could also be a team in a corporate setup where they don't have too much of resources. So when there's a resource Absolutely. constraint, so this could be a way out where they can actually use existing frameworks. Have you seen, um, and then the next challenge that comes up, right, as an architect is when there are many frameworks out there and I'm so confused. It's like a mm -hmm. deer caught in a fog light kind of thing, right? There are so many things. I don't know what to choose. So eventually I'll say I'll develop it myself. This has A, that has B, that has C. But you know what? I need a combination of ABC, so I will develop by myself. How have you seen people handling that challenge? Like you are too many choices. Right, right. I think what means I'm, I'm talking about what happens in real life. I'm not saying what's the ideal way to do it, but people go with what they're familiar with, right? It, it's, mm. it's never a ideal choice means nobody makes that whole ideal comparison of what works, what does not and make tables and tables. They go with what they are familiar with. 
right? If somebody is familiar with Microsoft Flow, they will go there. If somebody is familiar with Logic Apps, they will go there. Somebody is with automation anywhere, they will go there, right? So, so that that is the approach what I've seen happen in real life, right? So ideally, what should happen is you do a comparison, do an 80-20 thing, right? And and say, what is the closest I can come to, right? And say, okay, this thing will give me 80% of what I want. 20% either I build it myself, right? Or I just say, this requirement is not good enough for us for us to even care about and just, just sort of push it to back burner because even the SaaS providers are also innovating and they are adding features to their service month on month, week on week, right? So hopefully, and and good idea would be to check their roadmap, right? And see if if uh, uh, they have something on their roadmap which matches something which the 20%, which is not there, right? And go with that solution rather than, uh, rather than just going with your gut feel. So, okay, I'm familiar with this, I go with that, right? Uh, but it takes time. So the, 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 it takes time. Uh, but not, nowadays I've seen uh, a lot of maze because of the social media and everything, even on the, uh, on the user side, right? So you can always go and get feedback, direct feedback about how other people are actually using it. This, uh, okay. used, to be a, this used to be a common problem as to how do we figure out how other people are actually using it, right? And nowadays that information is much more readily available than it used to be earlier, right? Earlier, you used to just depend on what the the case study of the vendor is saying, right? And and then you have this uh, uh, no other way. Now you can just go onto Twitter and ask for opinion. They say, "Is this good?" You'll get ten thousand people responding, say this is horrible or whatever, right? And and they can give their own own experiences. Right? And people are much more. So basically, if I understand what you're telling, is conventionally we go for what is familiar with us and yes. keeping that in mind, you might also look at does something that is familiar and meets 80% of your needs. If it is fine, it makes sense to go ahead with it. And for the rest 20, look at the options of either pushing those feature back, developing it later, or look at the provider's roadmap to see how long they will support or what they will support. That, seems uh, something which we can actually try working out when choosing a plethora of products in which framework to go after. Great. I think this should be a good starting point for people to figure out whether do I have to build something or buy. And I think today the case is more about how stitch together, stitch and use rather than build and use kind of a thing. Uh, and I think uh, what you said is a key point, right? Uh, the service providers are spending more time. They specialize in that one. If you look at the T, they go deep in one part yes. and they are good at that. And you can uh, leverage those uh, cap capability much easier and start delivering business quickly. And the business really doesn't care what framework you're using at the backend. Great. Thanks, Deepak. Uh, another, another thing I, I want to just add yeah. uh, is when should you really decide to build something, right? Now, that is a, that is a strategic question, right? That should, should you invest in building something? Because building anything costs a lot of resources, right? 
Now, most of the time, what the software uh, people are delivering is, is, is run of the mill operations stuff, the business operations stuff, right? But the places where they need to invest is something which is going to give that business some strategic advantage, right? If, if they are developing something specific to their business, which, which nobody has today, right? That is, that is a real innovation, right? So, so the investment has to be, so that is the build or buy decision is based on the investment is for innovation or run of the mill. Mm, right. Good point. Right. So, so if it is, it is for innovation, which is going to give, give us a strategic advantage, as you said last time is that we want innovation to actually deliver revenue, not, not just be research. Right. So that's where uh, the build. That's a good point. Very good point. Yeah. Should be from, from the innovation perspective rather than it's, I'm not saying that you cannot have innovation with buy. Right, you can be very innovative with being, making a buy decision also, but especially if you are to uh, do something to build which doesn't exist or there's something unique which will give you some advantage, that is where you should make sense. Okay, thanks Deepak for uh, joining. Let's uh, join, uh, catch up in a fortnight uh, from now. <laughs>